0: Hey, what's up friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. So good to have you here with us today on episode 307, where we're going to be diving into part three of the Power of the Pipeline series with my buddy and co-host, Mr. Eric Reem Now, we covered the lead-in stage in part one and the making contact stage in part two. And today, we're going to be talking about what may be the most important stage of all, the phone meeting stage. Now, you might be thinking, I'm just being a little over dramatic. I'm a little excited about this episode just to get you pumped up. But trust me, this is the stage where the magic really happens. And after you're done listening to this episode, I think you're going to understand why. Now, what are you going to learn? Well, we're going to tell you what you need to do before you get on the phone. We're going to talk about the number one thing to ask when you're on the phone. We're going to talk about what you need to know when it's time to hang up the phone and walk away, how to leave a connection open for future business, and what factors should go into pricing your fee. Seriously, we're going to cover all of that in the next several minutes of this episode. So listen closely, take notes, get ready to learn how a well-executed phone meeting can take your speaking career to the next level. All right, here's part three of the Power of the Pipeline with Eric Ream. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? We are back here with the third episode of our five-part series, the five stages of the speaker pipeline so uh in the last episode we, we discussed the second stage the contact made stage and this week we're really going to dig into the third stage the phone meeting stage and so to do that uh today i'm going to be joined as always
1: by my uh, trusty co-host mr eric ream eric how you feeling today you ready to roll I am man. I can't wait to talk about this particular stage. This is the most important stage. Getting on the phone. It's going to be awesome, Grant. I can't wait. Let's do it. This whole thing is just—it's
0: so critically important. And I know, like, I, I feel like we're just giving away the farm here. Of just walking through. Hey, if you want to know how to find and book gigs, this is what you need to do. Follow the step by step by step by step. Go through. Listen to these. Take notes. Uh, And and we want to just show you exactly what you need to be doing. So actually, let's go back. Let's kind of recap here what we discussed in the previous episode. So overall, we have five different stages in the pipeline. We have the lead-in stage, the contact-made stage, the phone meeting, which again, that's what we're going to be talking about today. The fourth stage, which we'll talk about in the next episode, is the proposal stage. And then finally, the contract negotiation. Now, understand again that the pipeline, this is managed within a CRM. The CRM is a a customer relationship management software. And so there's a variety of different tools. Eric, I know that to use uh, a tool called Pipe Drive, uh, one of the ones that we recommend, uh, HubSpot has a free CRM that works really, really well but the, we've seen people who've used uh, spreadsheets or post-it notes. Uh, the point, though, is that you have some type of system, that you have some type of system that you, is, is repeatable and predictable, and you know this happens, and then this happens, and then this happens, and you can move leads through that process. So we in the last episode, we discussed the, the contact-made stage, and the purpose there is to, to engage the prospect, to initiate a response from from the prospect, really to get a reply. When you reach out to them in that lead-in stage, in and, and the first part of the process, says, the second part of the process, once you're, you're making that contact, you want to get them to reply. So again, if you haven't already, make sure you go back and listen to that previous episode. Uh, and then the primary goal is to get the prospect to agree to a phone meeting. We're going to talk a little bit about that today as well. At this point, there's about a 30% success rate at this stage. And within each stage of the process, the deeper you get into the pipeline, the deeper you get into the process, your success rate increases. But this is all this is all stuff that, again, is is important that you pay attention to, that you're tracking, that it's not something that you're just haphazardly going along with and, and trying to uh, mentally memorize of what needs to happen. So at this point, again, the, the, con, the, the contact has agreed to a phone meeting. You've moved them, moved them to stage three, the phone meeting stage. So Eric, kind of give us the, what's, what's the overview at this point?
1: All right. Yeah. So there's really, Grant, there's three major elements here. Number one, remember now, as you go through each of the stages, your probability of success increases. And what I love about this system, Grant, is success is inevitable. So if you follow the stages and you work through this process, I mean there, there's there's going to be some bumps, there's going to be some things you have to get through. But if you follow it, then as you go through each stage, you increase your chances of success. So at this stage, you're looking at a 50-50 proposition. So if I finally, if you're the event planner grant or the decision maker or someone that's going to get me the decision maker, and I get you on the phone, I've got a 50-50 chance now to win the gig. That's really good. Now you're in really you're in a really good situation. The purpose. Uh, in this stage, Grant, is you want to determine fit and value. That's key. You want to kind of get an idea of what this event's all about. Uh, you want to get an idea of what they're trying to accomplish. That way you can see how you're going to add value, where you're going to fit in there. And there are going to be times, Grant, we're going to talk about this more later in this episode. There, are, there may be a time where maybe you're just not a good fit. So you got to get that in the phone. you got to find out in that phone meeting, really are, is, are you a fit for this and can you add value? The goal here, Grant, is you want to agree on a price during the phone call. This is when you want to talk price on the phone. So you want to agree on a price if you if you are a fit and you want to gain a verbal commitment to move forward, right? So they can't hire you over the phone most of the time. There's a more formal uh, process for that, but you can get them to commit to you verbally on the phone. So you want to turn them into a teammate. So, Grant, once you and I decide, yeah, I think we want to work together, now we're on the same team. We're committed to one another. So, We want to do that. That's the goal there. So uh, talk about when, as far as getting some on the phone, Grant, what are some options there?
0: Yeah, so the, the goal again is to, to to save any and all pricing for the phone call if possible. So like when you're exchanging some emails initially, like when you're in that second stage that contact made, uh, maybe you're exchanging an email or two. And again, once they show any level of interest, you have basically two options at this point. You want to ultimately get them on the phone, but you can go about this one of two ways. Option one is to get them on the phone immediately. Option two is to schedule a phone meeting. And you and I have kind of differing thoughts on this. What's what's important I think is, is that we show that they both work and they're both effective. So I lean more towards the uh, the initial option of get them on the phone immediately. So if I email a contact and they express any level of interest, if they say, you know, are you available this date, or can you tell me more about what you speak on, or with uh, this, here's here's a nutshell about our event. Would this be a fit for you, or can you tell me some other people you've you've worked with, or any type of like I'm showing some interest, and they've they uh, they've rather they've expressed some interest, and uh, anything along those lines, I want to call them immediately. Now. When I do that, I want to always clarify with them. Hey, uh, I just got your email. Uh, I wanted to give you a quick shout. Did I catch you in okay time? Because are like you're, you are you are calling them out of the blue. Granted, they've expressed interest, but you are calling them out of the blue. So you want to you want to be respectful of that and make sure that uh, they're not in the middle of something. I'm getting ready to walk into a meeting, or I'm getting ready to leave for the day, or I uh, just just uh, getting ready to hop on a call, or whatever it may be. You just want to understand you want to make sure you're respectful and get permission that, Hey, do you, do you have a second to chat? I figured it'd be simpler to talk this stuff through, uh, over the phone. But again, the goal is to get them on the phone. So again, I would, I lean toward that route. Uh, you lean more towards scheduling a, a phone meeting. So kind of talk through, why do you enjoy that? I know that, or what do you prefer that rather? Uh, cause I find that at times, uh, when they express interest via email at that moment, like they may be as excited as they're, as they're going to be about it. They've expressed some level of interest. I don't want to wait uh, you know, a day or a couple of days to talk to them while other things may capture their attention or distract them. You, I know that, you, again, you prefer to schedule a phone meeting. So talk us through uh, why you prefer that route.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of reasons. One, I think we want to remind everyone, both of us have been very successful in our speaking careers and both Mm of us get people on the phone differently. But the commonality is we get them on the phone. So don't let don't don't overthink it. You want to get them on the phone. I think there's two things. One, I think it's personality based. Uh, As I get to know you, Grant, you're you're the kind of person that once you decide to do something, you just pounce on it. And so you decided you want to work with this person. So you just get them on the phone. That matches your personality. It's very authentic to who you are. And once you get them on the phone, you're very respectful with them. And so I, that, that fits you very well. I tend to be more process-oriented. I like to go through a process. To me, at that that fits my personality really well. The other reason why I do it is we've all been that person. When you're working, you got something going on and someone calls you un unannounced or didn't have an appointment and they're breaking your train of thought. And it's kind of annoying. It might be off putting. So, uh, so on the devil's advocate side, you may have someone who's really interested but they're interested but they're also doing something else and suddenly you pick up the phone and, and you're on the other end and like I really wasn't ready to talk to you yet. And right. so they may not be mentally prepared. And so sometimes if you get some, catch someone off guard, they may not be mentally prepared to talk about it. However, if I've got a meeting set up with you Grant, I know I've got a meeting. Now I prepared myself mentally. I'm gonna to talk to a potential speaker. I'm prepared to talk to you about what you can, where you can add value. I'm prepared to talk to you about price. And then that way we, ha- we can have maybe a more meaningful discussion. But either way, if you get them on the phone, that's huge. I think the main thing is, is do it with, I think what matches your authenticity. So if that matches your personality, then I think your way is fine. If it matches the way I do it, then I think that's fine as well.
0: And it's also maybe worth like trying both, you know, there, there may be some, uh, there's times where, you know, uh, based, maybe based on the industry or based on kind of the email correspondence that you've had with a potential client, you may feel more comfortable, you know, historically, normally I might call them right out of the blue, but, uh, based on this particular lead, I think it would make more sense to try to schedule something. Uh, so I try both. And again, like you said, you know, figure out what makes sense for you, what works for you. You may try one, uh, a couple times and be like, I'm not, you know, that that's coming across clunky or uh, something's falling through the cracks. If I do it that way and try the other way, and that may work better for you. Uh, and I, again, like you said, what's important is they both work. That's one of the fun things about the speaking industry is, you know, we want to teach a lot of process of do this and then do this and do this and do this, this. but there's certainly going to be some nuance and some variations there, uh, figuring out like what makes sense for you and your industry based on your personality, based on what you're trying to do. So there's nothing wrong with taking, you know, the the general framework of this and and tweaking bits and pieces of it uh, that make make sense for, for you and what you're wanting to do. So ultimately, bottom line for both of us again, We want to get someone on the phone. You have to talk to them. I know that sometimes, again, this can be intimidating because it's easier to hide behind an email and just correspond with that. But remember, this is a relationship business. Relationships are built much simpler and quicker and easier over the phone than they are via email. So we want to get them on the phone. Now, once we get them on the phone, what are are some of the, or even like leading up to the call itself, Eric, what are are some of the keys to success to make sure that when we get them on the phone, that this is going to be a successful uh, use of
1: everyone's time? Yeah. And I think I I, I want to go back to something you just mentioned earlier too, Grant, because I think it's important. You mentioned you don't want to talk about price until you get them on the phone. Why do you think that's important?
0: Well, I, I don't want, uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that it'd be the equivalent of emailing a, you know, a, a, if I was looking to build a home and I just emailed a, a home builder and I said, hey, I want uh, I want to build a house. How much does that cost? You know, it's like, Well, it depends. Nah, just give me a price. You know, it's like, well, if if I'm going to be that person and I'm just like, nah, just give me a price. Like there's so many nuances. There's so many variables. The same thing is like if you're calling up a car a lot and saying, how much is a car? Like it, 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 ranges significantly depending on what you're looking for and depending on what you want. And then the, the truth is the same thing is true for a speaker. You know, it's very, very different if you're looking for hey, we just need you to come in and do one thing. It's a talk that you already given and it's 30 minutes from your house versus we'd like for you to do a full day, you know, training. And then we'd also like you to do some additional hours of consulting. And this is going to be something that's, you know, halfway across the country from you. We're going to need you to be gone for several nights. And we'd like for you to create some, you know, a uh, custom training. And it's just like, it's a, it's a totally different beast. Thing. You know, so it's you want to make sure that when you're talking with someone that you have the full picture and it's really hard to get that full picture via email uh, versus getting someone on the phone. The other thing like I I kind of alluded to is the same way if I if I call a you know, a, a home builder, if I call a car dealership and I said, just give me a price. And they say, well, it depends. You know, we'd love to talk to you more. Uh, and they're like, and I just keep pushing back, like, no, no, just give me a price. Like, I'm probably not that serious. And so, in the same way that someone who, you know, a, a potential event planner, or someone who's just kind of inquiring about you as a speaker, if they just keep saying, well, just, you know, just give us a price, like, they're probably just kicking tires and it, it, it's probably not going to be super promising. So, again, you, you want to get all the variables and the factors uh, in play. You want to build that rapport and that relationship with them so that whenever you quote them a price, you have some context of what it is that they're looking for. And you know, this is what you're what you're able to deliver versus again, just kind of pulling a number out of a hat. So uh, it's really, again, really, really important to get them on the phone to discuss price versus just doing that over an email.
1: Yeah, that's really good. And that's one of the keys to success, I think, is you want to make sure you talk save price for the phone. Now, there are times, Grant, that some folks, they are going to push you on that. And so- right. But just because we say never, you don't want to like, if someone just says, yeah, I need a price and they keep pushing on it, then you may have to give them the price, but you don't want to just default to that. So one of the things when, if you are going to schedule a call grant, the best way to do that is when you send an email. One thing I, uh, I've learned when it comes to human dynamics grant is people will live up to your expectations. So if you just make it a foregone expectation that, hey, we need to get on the phone and you say it that way in the email and then they'll be like, oh, okay, I guess we need to get on the phone. So they'll live up to the expectation. So you want to send that email with the expectation. Hey, with the next step then you, you responded back. I'd love to chat with you more about your event. I, um, I have these dates and times open for a quick phone call. What works best for you? So you notice I'm not saying, hey, would you mind getting on the phone? Or I right. say, I got these times open. What works best for you? And then usually what I do, what I've worked, what's worked well, Grant, is give them three options. Uh, three options only. You don't want to spend too much brain power. They just pick one of those options, and then now you're off to the races. Now, once they let, let me uh, ask
0: you a quick clarifying question on that. When you're scheduling and you're giving those options, are how f- how close in and how far out are you typically going? So if it's you know let's take right now at this very moment we're recording. It's a Thursday morning, right? So what would you typically give them as some? And you, you're sending the email back to them. What would you typically give them?
1: I, usually, I usually give them one option the day of the week of. So I might give them one tomorrow. Okay. Um, and then I'll give them a couple the next week. So within the next uh, probably a day or seven days max. So I want to okay. get them on the phone within a week. Gotcha. Um, but I, I also give a little a week out because they may be busy, make a lot going on. The main thing is I want to get that scheduled. Um, okay, so before the call, here's some things to think about. Once you got it, once they decided to meet with you, and before you actually get on the phone, there are there are a few things to consider. Number one, Grant is you have to determine your boundaries ahead of time. Right, you just can't go into a call being willing to do anything there's certain things you're willing to do and certain things you're not willing to do. And you've got to know that ahead of time. That way when you're in the heat of the call, you'll be prepared to answer. So what are some of those boundaries? Number one is price. And so we talk a lot about how you present price. And this is something I think most speakers are fearful of when it, now it's time to actually put value to what you're actually going to do. And so I, maybe you just don't, you aren't sure what to do. Um, We have a tool on that. What's the tool work grant. They want to get more information on that.
0: Yeah. So we have a tool called uh, uh, you can find over at myspeakerfee.com, myspeakerfee.com. It's basically a free speaking fee calculator. So if you are just like, I just don't know what I don't know about speaking fees and they are uh, there's a lot of different variations and variables. Uh, we have actually recently updated the speaking fee calculator to include virtual options as well. So if you're saying, Hey, I want to do more virtual stuff than in person, how does that change pricing? Literally all you do is you go to myspeakerfee.com, you answer a couple of multiple choice questions. And at the end, it'll spit out a number of what you, should be charging for a particular event. Now we would tell you that, that speaking fees is much more of an art than a science. So don't use this as a gospel, but use it as something as a, as a starting point as just something like, okay, at least gives me a, a ballpark of where I need to be, uh, versus like, I just, I have no clue. So again, uh, definitely go to myspeakerfeed.com. You can do this on each individual event that you do, uh, because there's different events that are going to have different variables. So again, go to myspeakerfee.com, uh, answer the different questions there and it'll tell you what you should be charging for a particular event.
1: Right. And so what that'll do, that'll give you an idea of what you can charge. But what you need to do then is come in with a range because it would be nice if you could just do one price and that's it but you're probably going to have to do some negotiation. There's probably going to be some variables going to dictate your range. So you have to come in grant with your low end and your high end. Now that changes depending on what phase of you're in. So when I first started Grant, my low end was free. <laughs> if you're willing to just put me on the stage, boom, I'm on, right? My high end might've been a thousand. And so I knew that going in. So let's say like right now, I would say I, I, my low end right now would be probably 3300 That's about the lowest I'll do. My high end right now is probably around seven grand on mm-hmm. a, on average. So what I'll do is I'll come in with that in my mind, right, that I have this low end and I have this high end. So I know that I want to do it somewhere within there. So knowing that I'm not going to go below 3000 Now, I'll go above 7000 and that's happened to me before, um, but just having that idea going in. Number two, Grant, the number two boundary you want to identify is what you're willing to speak on. So you just have to have clarity. And I have had this hat before. Why come in, they want me to speak on something I have no background in because they just say, hey, well, this is what we want. Can you do that? And you got to be willing to say, that's not within my range, what mm-hmm. I speak on. So for me, it's all about human dynamics. It's about leadership. It's about that human connection. So I actually had a situation where a uh, event planner said, hey, we want someone to speak on uh, social media. Can you do that? I'm like, no, that's not my expertise. That's not something I can do. I can recommend you to someone. But just knowing that I have certain things I speak on and certain things I don't. And then the last one, Grant, is format, meaning that what, what do you want to do at their event? Do you, are you planning just to be a keynote? You want to be on the main stage. That's what you want to do. Um, are you willing to do a breakout session You know, and, and do a, maybe with a smaller crowd that's not on the main stage? Maybe you're willing to be a part of a panel discussion. You, uh, are you willing to do that? So what I found is a lot of times as event planners, they have different slots you're trying to fill, and they're going to say, well, here's what we got open. We've got a closing keynote. And by the way, some event uh, speakers don't want to be a closing spe- uh, keynote. Some of them yep. just want to be the opening keynote. So knowing ahead of time what you're willing and not willing to do, that way you can, t- you can guide the discussion. What you don't want to do, Grant, is show up and say, okay, what do you need? Yeah, it's better to guide the discussion. And So as you're having this give and take, then you can say, hey, well, I can definitely open your keynote, I can do a breakout, uh, and I can be on a panel discussion. And this is my price. So knowing that ahead of time helps on boundaries. Any thoughts on the boundaries grant?
0: No, I just definitely agree. Like you need to be clear on these things. So uh, it's it is difficult especially early on for most speakers because we just want to speak we just want to be on stage so it's like uh how much do we charge i'd take anything if you give me a a subway gift card i'll take it and a pat on the head and an attaboy the topics what do i speak of what do you want me to speak about you know format i don't i don't even care what the options are i just want to speak you know but again you have to recognize that that the more clear the more uh more uh, the more clear that and focused that you are about what you're good at, what you're not good at, where you're best. I know, you know, we've had some conversations about, I know for me personally, I do really, really good in like an hour block. So if they said, Hey, we want you to do an all day workshop. I just know immediately I'm not a good fit for that. You know, <laughs> let me introduce you to my buddy, Eric. Eric's going to be your guy for this. Eric loves doing an all day workshop. That sounds miserable to me. Right. And again, it's not that one's better or worse than the other. You got to be clear on where you're best and what, what what that looks like? So you know, if they ask Eric to go do, hey, can we can you do an all day workshop on on social media? And if he recognizes, you know, the internal dialogue of like, boy, I, I had never done that, but sure, I'll figure it out. I don't, and he's like, I don't, you know, I don't know a ton about social media, I don't care much about social media, but I'm just looking for an at bat. It's probably just not going to go well. Versus if he's straight up with them and says, hey, I'm probably not going to be a best fit for you, but. Uh, you know here 's some other topics that could be a better fit, or here 's a different angle that could be a better fit that that is setting Eric up for success versus just like yeah sure i 'll figure it out and and it 's going to be a a mediocre experience for for everyone so again you you want to know those boundaries so that you can like you said really guide the the conversation and discussion
1: awesome. Well, you had me at the subway gift card. I immediately thought <laughs> six inch tuna fish sandwich with pepper jack cheese on Italian herb bread That's Boy, that 's all that sounds
0: it. that sounds pretty rough, yeah. Hey friends, do you know what the five stages of a great speaking pipeline are? If not, listen up, because when you master these five stages, every lead that you get will have the best possible chance of turning into a paid gig. Now, whether you're just getting started or you've been a speaker for a while, the key to success of professional speaking is having a flexible, predictable system for finding, managing, and booking gigs. That's why my team and I have created a brand new program to walk you through step-by-step all five stages of the speaking pipeline. We demystify the process for finding gigs. We clarify the steps necessary to turn a cold lead into a book gig. And we lay out a complete system for lead management, no matter where you are in your speaking journey. To learn more and to access this comprehensive tool to mastering your speaking pipeline, check out the slash pipeline. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash pipeline.
1: All right. So the next thing you want to do before the call, Grant, is you want to research the event. So you don't want to go in cold. So actually go and research the event. What's the event all about? What kind of themes do they have? Uh, You want to research the organization hosting the event. You also want to research the event planner. What can you find out about the person you're about to speak with? And can you Google that information on them? Look at their past agendas. Who have they hired before? Um, What kind of speakers do they have? You know, that kind of thing. What kind of audience is usually there? That way, going into it, you have an idea of uh, what you're going to be engaging in. Then what you want to do is after you do that research grant you want to prepare some questions ahead of time And there's questions about different elements you want to think about number one questions for the event planner themselves Like I ask him certain things like what's what's important for you when you hire a speaker? What's the number one thing you're looking for? So I want to know as an event planner because you and I are going to be the teammates I need to know uh, What you're interested in and what's important to you then I want to ask you questions about the event itself And I always ask him this who was the speaker you hired last year and how did it go? Uh, what some of the speakers you've hired hired in the last, uh, in, the, in the past? What did you like or not like? Um, how do you want your audience to feel? Stuff like that. So you want to ask questions about that. You want to ask questions about the audience. Who's going to be in the audience? What are the demographics? Uh, what, what normally do they really connect well with? What do they not connect well with? Um, the other is about the agenda. Ask them about the agenda itself. Like, tell me that your agenda this year. Is there a theme you're going for? Um, tell me about some of the speakers you've already hired and how I might be able to compliment them. So you want to have these questions ahead of time you're going to ask. So that's what you do before the call. And then once you get them on the call, Grant, here are some key uh, principles of success. Number one, This is so important. Focus on the event planner and the event, okay? It's not about you, it's about them, right? It's all about how you can make them successful. Some mistakes that a speakers will make is they think they they gotta sell themselves and they immediately tell them everything about themselves. Let me tell you about my life story. Let me tell you about why this is gonna help you and all this and that. And they don't care. What they wanna do is they wanna tell you about them. They wanna tell you what's important to them. So make it about them. The second thing is you're there to qualify the event, meaning that you wanna make sure you're actually a good fit. So you need to ask qualifying questions. Um, are you looking for a motivational speaker if you happen to be a motivational speaker? Um, are you looking for leadership uh, speakers because if you happen to be that, so you want to qualify the event. Once you qualify the event grant and you know this is a good fit, now what you want to do is you want to pitch your talk and make sure that you pitch it the way that fits what they've been telling you. So you're gonna hear things you're gonna say. And then based on that, like for instance, you may hear them say, well, we're gonna have a bunch of technical talks in the morning. I'm like, great, I would be a good talk for you right after lunch, because you hit them with technical, technical, technical. Mm-hmm. Mine's all about feelings. And so right after lunch, they're kind of tired. I wanna motivate them, get them fired up and get them back on track. I think I'd be a perfect fit for that. Or there's been times I said, man, I'd be a great closer for you because I can really get them going on a high note and that's the last thing they're going to remember about your event is what I taught what I what I told them and you want them to go out feeling really good. So based on that you pitch your talk. Then what you're looking for is you're waiting for them to finally ask the question that we all are afraid of grand the mountaintop question, the million dollar question. I wish it was the million dollar question and that is <laughs> what is your price? How much do you charge? If they don't ask that, then you need to bring it up. And the best way to do that, say, hey, what's your budget for this? So you just, you want to get it out there because you do not want to get off the phone without discussing price. So you want to get that to that price discussion. And then you want to get them to commit to you verbally, meaning that, hey, I think this is going to be a fit and how you do that is you ask them, hey, what's your decision making process and what are your next step? Do they have a committee they report to? They have to take it back to a committee. Do they have to go to someone within their leadership or can they make the decision right there? But the bottom line is you can start asking questions to get them to commit like, hey, I think this is a good fit. So what's the decision making process? What do we need to do to nail this thing down? And the last thing, Grant, is you have to be willing to walk away. This is the hardest thing for a speaker. And I will tell you, that's when you know you've become a professional, when you've actually walked away from a couple events. You remember the first time you actually walked away from an event?
0: Yeah, I walked away from one a couple of days ago. In fact, uh, there was a a a lady that had seen me speak a couple of years ago at an event, and she'd reached out, and so I, I followed again this exact process. I called her up, and we talked for several minutes. And following through, like learning about the event, asking about it, asking about the uh, you know the the client itself, asking about her, how what event she saw me at, uh, how long she'd been in that role, uh, just asking all the questions, right? And ultimately. Um, kind of got to the end of it and was just kind of like, I don't think I don't think I'm going to be a good fit for you, you know. And there was a time where uh, younger speaker Grant would have been like, Yes, I'll do it, whatever. Just say when, and I'll be there, and whatever you want me to talk about it, you know. But also recognizing like, if I don't feel like I'm a, if I don't feel like it's a it's a good fit, that's important. But b, if I don't feel like I, I maybe it's like a like this was one where it's probably a somewhat fit. I could have made it work, but. Uh, am I excited about it? Is this a no brainer? Is this something that like, man, I really feel like if I show up, I'm going to deliver for you because what you don't want to do is you don't want to get to the end of event and they'd be like, yeah, they did good. Sort of, you know, it be like, no, no, like they were great at this and I want to feel like going into it. I can be great for them. And it was one that I just didn't, I didn't feel real great about. And, and in fact, I referred it to a friend of mine that, um, they had a one, they had a, a smaller budget and so I talked to, uh, reached out to a friend who's there locally in that metro area. And I said, Hey, I think you'd be a great fit for this event. Um, they are right there in your backyard. And so he contacted them and he messaged me a couple days ago and said, yeah, I think I'm going to book it. And it's 30 minutes from his house, you know? So it's a, it's a, I'm still able to provide value to that potential client, even though I'm not the one speaking at it, you know, I'm still able to help the event and I'm still able to help the uh, speaker friend. Um, and so even, even though like at the end of the day, like I walked away from it and, And like you said, I felt really, really comfortable. Now, I wanted to follow up on on one thing. Like when you're talking with them, uh, one of the things that I try to do, and and you have to be um, self-aware on this and cautious and how, how you go about doing this, but I like to ask some questions about them themselves and their role. So, uh, all right, so you you work with this company. How long have you been with that company? And what did you, are you from there in the area or where are you from originally? And, um, you know, maybe, maybe you you cautiously do a little bit of Facebook stalking or whatever. Because, you again, you want to remember this is a relationship business and people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And so, whenever this gal had mentioned she had seen me at a previous event, you know, we talked about... About that for a few minutes or if there's any type of personal connection that i can make with them of where you know where are you located oh that's cool I've, you know I, i've spoke uh spoke nearby there or hey do you know such and such or oh, who did you have speak last year? oh that's cool i'm a friends with them or you know you grew up here or you're a you know oh you have daughters i have daughters you have a mom no way i have a mom you know like You're just looking for any type of personal connection that that you can meet you can make there just to build that type of rapport and connection with them because again people you know all things being equal if if she's looking at you know three or four or five different speakers and goes back to some committee or her boss or whoever and all things being equal she's like i i just really liked grant grant seemed like a really nice guy and seemed like he was you know we had some connection there uh, that's going to go a long way versus like this person seemed like good, but I, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get a lot from them, you know? So, uh, do you ask many, I don't want to call them personal questions, but do you ask, do you dig into just trying to build some of that, uh, that rapport and connection with them?
1: Oh big time definitely yeah that that's part of the when before, ahead of ta- ahead of time you want to prepare questions about right. the event planner itself, so you want to you know think about what are some things you want to know about the event planner and it could be something as simple as maybe it's in a part of the country that uh, you know really well, maybe you have family mm-hmm. in that country you can you know there's different ways you can make connections for sure so that's awesome grant um, very good point point. one thing um, I think we probably want to dig a little deeper on because I think a lot of people. Uh, this is an area that they struggle with and need more information on. What are some of the variables, Grant, when you're trying to land a gig and you're really talking about price? What are some things that you, folks should consider when they're thinking about presenting a price to an event?
0: Yeah. When people ask, uh, ask us both, you know, all right, how much should I charge as a speaker? And the reality is, is it depends, which it's a horrible answer, but that's the truth of the matter is there are a lot of variables and factors that go into it. So a couple different factors that go into it. one's going to be kind of the, you know, the, the business phase or stage that you are in, you know, are you just starting out? Are you new to this particular industry? Uh, are you a brand new speaker? Are you just getting started? You typically won't be able to charge as much as someone who's been doing this for a long time. If you are switching industries, I, I know of some speakers who, you know, they, they may, started out in education they did a lot in in high schools and colleges and now they're switching to corporate and even though they're a great speaker they're going from being known in one pond so to speak to being unknown in a different pond and so that's going to affect your price just because you're well known over there doesn't mean you're well known it's kind of like when michael jordan played basketball and he's like i want to play baseball it's like just because you have one skill set over here doesn't mean you have another skill set over there He was able to make a whole bunch of money playing basketball, but was not able to make a ton of money playing baseball. Right. So just because you're switching to a different industry, doesn't necessarily mean that that your previous industry experience is going to translate over. Another variable and factor is going to be location. You know, is the event five minutes away or is it across the country? So, you know, like I mentioned this, this, uh, Um, client that I talked to this week, they had a lower budget. And so immediately I I was trying to think of people that were in that area. And so I reached out to a friend where for him, it made sense because it's 30 minutes away versus if it was across the country, he probably wouldn't have done it. And so think about because one of the, the big variables and factors with with uh, your speaking fee is just your time commitment. And so I'm always thinking about that. I'm always thinking about uh, the like what we talk about in our family is how many sleeps is dad going to be gone, which is also as a side note, one of the vir- one of the appealing things about virtual is you're not gone any sleeps. And so you're, you're, you're most likely going to charge more if you are, you know, if you're traveling, let's say to the West, if you're on the East Coast, you're traveling to the West Coast, it's probably going to be a couple of nights that you're going to have to be away uh, because of the, the time zones and flights and kind of how that, that works. Uh, so location is going to be a big factor. Another factor is going to be time of year. You know, is this in peak conference season uh, and you have options or is this middle of the summer or, you know, around the holidays, you, you don't really have much booked. Uh, so this particular event that reached out to me and that I had this conversation with the event was in December and December is historically a pretty slow time for most speakers. And so I knew that, you know, Although it wasn't a fit for me, I knew that you know the this, this speaker friend of mine, he speaks quite a bit and I thought, hey, December's pretty slow. So this is probably going to be a, a potentially good event for him, again, just based on, on time of year. So be aware of kind of the, the supply and demand of, of your annual schedule. Uh, another factor is going to be repeat business. You know, Do you think that you can book multiple gigs with this event planner? Is this just kind of a, a one-off event? And if it is just a one-off event, that's fine. But if you look at this going, hey, there's potential that I could do either several events with this client. Or potential spin off business with attendees, then it may be worth potentially decreasing your fee because you 're looking at the long term value of that relationship another one 's going to be just kind of the again bigger picture you know how important is this event for your overall business? Does this get you in front of a lot of uh, future event planners? Is this a respected event? Uh, is this one where you you know there 's other high profile speakers there in your space or in your industry so there may be value again beyond just um, you know, whether, how much you got in a check, but value in terms of the relationship you could build with that client, with other speakers there, with other attendees there. Uh, and another one's going to be the market. You know, the mul- the market ultimately will decide your price. Now you may think you have a a $5,000 talk, but event planner may be only willing to pay $2,500 at, at this stage of your career. So it's kind of like, and to some degree, it's kind of like when you're, you're selling a house, you know, you can have people like so emotionally attached like, I don't care what the realtor says, my house is worth this. It's like, no, 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 your house is worth what someone's willing to pay for it. And so we look at how this applies currently in today's, you know, in the, the current economic uh, situation and climate uh, of a COVID world, especially with speaking engagements, right? It is certainly affected speaking fees. So for speakers who are like, no, no, no I, I, I've always charged this. This is what I've always been in any economy um, that may not work right now. And so you may have to kind of think through, uh, the, again, kind of the, the laws of supply and demand. When supply is high and demand is low, it causes price to go down. When demand is high and supply is low, it causes price to go up. So you, you got to be aware of that and be self-aware that you may have to uh, flex a little bit and adjust your pricing. But again, as a good like starting point, uh, we would definitely recommend that you go back to myspeakerfee.com. Again, myspeakerfee.com uh, is a great tool to kind of get you going there and and help you figure out a good starting point for your your speaking fee. So, uh, Eric, anything we missed there as far as uh pricing?
1: No, and I, I think the market piece you said that really well. You have great analogies. It's like you have all these analogies on the back shelf and you just pull one down. But that—that I think that's one thing that's hard for, I think, for speakers to grasp sometimes is that, you know, the market's going to dictate exactly what they're going to pay you. And by the way, what's interesting and hard sometimes for folks to understand is that your talk – will be priced differently depending on the market you're presenting in. Yeah. And I've had this happen before. I've had one talk where they, they paid me 3000 and had the exact same talk where they paid me 20000 but it was a different market. Yeah, so different market, industry. Yeah, different industry. So that's just something you have to understand is that it's not all created equal. It's not even fair sometimes. It's just what is what it is. And you got to be prepared to understand that. And having that self-awareness is very important. So Grant, if you want to, the main thing when you're doing this is your goal is you want to continue getting to the next stage as you po- fast as you possibly can. So here's some things to think about if you want to get this out of the phone beating stage to the proposal stage, which we're going to talk more in depth on the next episode, but some things you want to think about. Here's some things to think about as you're on the phone in this stage. Number one, just ask them, should we lock this in? So Grant, this is important. You and I have talked about this many times. In fact, there's books on this, The Power of the Ask. How many times have you, I had this one time, this insurance salesman meet with me for breakfast. I knew why he wanted to meet with me. He wanted to sell me insurance. The whole time we talked about our families, this and that, but he never asked me for my business. And I'm like, I just walked away and nothing came out of it that I got a free meal out of it. If he just would have asked me, hey, Eric, uh, by the way, I'd like to have your business. What do politicians say at the the end of each uh, campaign speech? I appreciate your vote. I, need- I want your vote, yeah. That's right. So you have to ask them, hey, do we need to lock this in? So just ask them, should we lock it in? Another one is, do you need more information? Because sometimes they just need more information. If they need more than just you talking to them. That's why the proposal stage is, is there. We're going to talk about that. Also, you want to ask them, what's the decision-making process look like? Because what you're doing now is you're shifting the conversation, and you're having them tell you what it's going to take for them to decide on you they'll tell you that. So you got, right.
0: point. I want to jump in here because this, uh, I think this is one of the most important parts of the process. Um, because the mistake that, like you said, so many speakers make is like, all right, well, you know, if you, if you decide you need me, you let me know, or, you know, whenever you guys meet, I hope you think of me, you know, it's just like, it's just kind of this him haw thing, kind of like the insurance agent, you know, but so not only asking for the business, but figuring out what is their next step in the process? Because the way that most events uh hire speakers is it's not like you know one person who's kind of the gatekeeper and and you have one call with them and like yeah that sounds good where do i sign typically typically it doesn't work like that occasionally you have some of those outliers who are like wow that was that book way simpler than i anticipated but for the most part it is we have a committee that's reviewing or we have a you know a board that's that's reviewing or i got to take this back to my boss or whatever it may be usually it's just kind of in a a fact gathering stage But you always want to figure out what is their next step in the process. So for some of them, it may be we're meeting next week, we're meeting next month, the committee is reviewing, I'm taking this to my board this afternoon, I'm talking with my boss tomorrow. Great, whatever it is, that's fine. But you just want to make sure that you're really, really clear on what the decision making process looks like for them.
1: Right. And so, yeah, that's important. So uh, what you just said there, and then what they, once they tell you the decision-making process, and then you've talked about price, you've got a verbal commitment from them, then what you want to do is you want to set the tone of what's going to happen next. And yours is going to be a follow-up and say, I want to follow up with you and tell them when you're going to do it. And it might be, I want to send you an email today with this and this, and I'll follow up in a couple of days to make sure you had it, got the information. So you just set the expectation. There's going to be a follow-up. Now you do want to listen for some buying signals on their end. So, Grant, this is something I think is funny with folks is they have maybe a 20-minute Presentation, their mind, and two minutes into it, you start giving me buying signals. but I'm like, wait, I got 18 more minutes of presentation to give you, right? Mm-hmm. So if you start hearing buying signals, now it's time to stop what you're doing and go into the okay, let's close this thing up. So here's some like you may say, hey, what do I need to do to lock this in, or can you send me some more information, meaning that okay, I like what we're hearing, but I need more information. That's when you start talking about, okay, tell me about the decision making process. If I send you more information, what are you going to do with it so I can I can make sure I, I set us up for success? Or they may say, what are some of the next steps? So you want to listen for some of those buying signals. Um, then what you want to do is you want them to know what it's going to take in order to lock you in, right? And you need to set this up ahead of time. Number one, you need to let them know and set the expectation that we're going to sign a formal formal agreement. We're going to cover that more uh, in two more episodes from now, Grant, on how to do that. But just for now, know that they need to sign an agreement with you and they need to put skin in the game and you're going to let them know that I need a deposit. We're going to talk more uh, about this later, Grant, but for right now, just know that you need to set the expectation. In order to lock you in, they want to sign an agreement with you and they want that 50% deposit. Now, if they're not interested, if, if it's just not going well, it's not a fit, ask them why it's okay to say, Hey, well, why am I not a good fit? And there might be some things that maybe they're there is being misinterpreted that you can clarify. So just ask them, Hey, why, why do you not think I'm, a, I'm good for this? Or what, why are we not going to move forward? Just ask that question. Now, they may not say it. Sometimes they'll just blow you off. They'll talk in circles. That's how some people do things. That's okay. That that will happen. What you want to do though is you always want to close it out with them. If this happens and it just you're not going anywhere in the phone meeting, and you get off the phone, you couldn't get them to commit. You couldn't get them to, and they're not following up with your emails. Then you're going to send them a closing email and let them know that you want to leave it open for future events. You always want to leave it open, Grant, because it may be a bunch of things. It may be you don't fit their theme. Maybe you caught them at a bad time. Maybe the timing isn't right. It doesn't necessarily mean they won't hire you in the future. So what I'll do is I'll send them a closing email and say, hey, uh, thank you for taking the call. Uh, uh, I'm sorry we could not get it to work out. But hey, I'd love to work with you in the future. I want to make a note to get back with you and check with you on future events. Then what I'll do, Grant, is I'll go to my CRM. I will close it out. And I will open it up another one and put it for 2021 or whatever future event. And then I'll start the process all over again with them. There have been times where people didn't hire me the first time. They didn't hire me the second time, but they hired me the third time. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've had the exact same thing in a couple different ways. So, one is, you know, let's take this event that I've, you know, I've referenced a couple times that I talked with earlier this week that ultimately wasn't a fit happening in a couple months or referred to another speaker friend. Just because I wasn't a fit for this event doesn't mean I'm going to never be a fit for any of their events, right? So, I have absolutely provided great value to not only the speaker, but to the event. So, it would be worth following up. So, one thing I could, I might do is I already know the date of the event. I might make a note to follow up with them after that event. Hey, I just want to touch base. I know that that you ended up having such and such go speak at it. I just want to make sure that they did a good job for you. Uh, is there anything else that you're working on, you know, for the upcoming year or, you know, other events, you know, internally or externally that you think I might be able to help with? I'd love to have a conversation, right? Because I've already helped them. I've already provided value. So that's certainly something that they might be willing to consider. Uh, another thing, like you mentioned is I remember early in my speaking career, I would reach out to a potential client, I'd talk with them, and they'd end up booking someone else, right? And I would get so frustrated or discouraged. I was like, what the heck? Like, why did they book them and not me? Like, I was just so upset about it. But I quickly like realized, like, for most events, they happen on an annual basis. And most of the time, they don't repeat speakers for several years. So I quickly realized like, okay, the event that I didn't book this year, they're gonna have that same event next year. And the speaker that they booked for this year, they're probably not going to have next year. So I've got one less competitor I got to deal with next year. Uh, And so it's kind of encouraging because like you said, there's a a couple instances where I'd follow up for two, three, four, five years before eventually they would book me. Maybe they're just like, okay, fine. We don't have any other options. We're just down to grants. So we'll just go with that. But again, the point being like staying top of mind, being consistent, and and continually showing up. But having the point of this whole series is that you have a system to be able to do that. That you're not just thinking like, all right, well, hopefully we cross paths in the future. Hopefully I, you know, I I remember to follow up with you at some point uh, arbitrarily in the future. Like that's not going to happen. But that you have a system in place that you are able to consistently reach out and follow up. So uh, this has been a meaty meaty stage here, and there's just there's so much that that, uh, again we we haven't. Even touched on we
1: haven't even got into uh, is there anything that we're missing before we, we we kind of wrap up? No, I think we covered it, Grant. I think uh, the main thing like you said is you've got to have a system, and if you follow the system, one of the good things about having a system though I love Grant is if we're coaching you, like if I was coaching you, Grant, and you came to me and said, man, some things aren't working. I say, great. Well, tell me what part of the system that you're getting hung up on. Right. And if you tell me that, and I know you're consistently doing it, now we can tweak some things. But right. if you're just haphazardly doing things, then how can we ever improve? How can we know what to, to do better if you're not following a systematic approach? That's what I love about this is because we can tweak things. We can turn some knobs left or right. We can fix some things because you're following a system. It's such a beautiful gift we're giving everybody right now. I mean, this is like Christmas in July. This is fantastic, (laughs) man.
0: All right, let's kind of recap. So again, the overall, just big picture, the five stages to the pipeline process. Uh, we talked about in the very first episode of this series, the the lead-in stage. Second part of the process was the contact made. You've reached out to them. Third step that we've talked about today is the phone meeting. Uh, the next episode, we're going to talk about the proposal, right? So we're starting to get, we're getting closer and closer to the finish line here. And then uh, finally, the, the fifth stage is the contract negotiation. Now, the, the, the major elements of this phone meeting stage that we've covered today, again, the purpose is to really determine fit and value you make sure that you're a fit and if you're not a fit, that you're you're comfortable with with walking away from that but the goal is to agree on a price to gain verbal commitment and remember before you get on that call you want to determine your, your boundaries the price the speaking format make sure that, that the topics make sure that you are going to be uh, a fit That it's going to be a win for everybody do your research prepare good questions you you don't want to just kind of go into those calls and wing it but you want to really have a uh, some uh, process that you want to follow during the call remember you want to focus on the event planner don't just jump into hey uh you you really made a good decision reaching out because I'm a great speaker. Let me tell you my life story. Like They don't care about that. You want to focus on them, ask a ton of questions. And then uh, as you're qualifying the event, the, the fit, the value, you're discussing price, gaining uh, that verbal commitment for them. Then again, decide on the next action items. What's their next step? When are they meeting? What happens from there? And so again, on the next episode, we're going to talk about the fourth stage of the pipeline, the proposal stage where uh, we are getting warmer and warmer uh, and closer and closer to actually doing the gig. So uh, yeah, this is a, uh, we're, we're making good progress here. Yeah. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Speaker Lab podcast. And before you take off, don't forget if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review within iTunes. We read every single one of those. It helps, it, helps other people to find the show. Listen, we, we don't charge anything for you to listen to these. We don't have any ads or anything. We do this because we want to serve and support speakers like you. So one small favor we ask of you is that you would leave us some type of a rating and review. And again, we really, really do appreciate that. If you're looking for more help, support as a speaker as you build and grow your business at whatever stage you're at, don't forget to check out thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. We got a ton of free resources and tools over there. So again, check it out over at thespeakerlab.com. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We appreciate you hanging out with us. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.